Welcome to another episode of RPG Hour. Today we are tackling the topic of Do the Rules Matter? Before we get into our topic, let's introduce everyone at the table. Uh, as usual, I'm Mr. RPG Hour. I'm Mrs. RPG Hour. And I'm Jonathan Andrews. And today our special guests are from Dungeon Junkies. Everybody except for one. Uh, so <laughs> All the junkies. <laughs> Henry? Oh, uh, so I'm Henry. Uh, been, I'm play a player on Dungeon Junkies. I've been gaming for a couple years, tabletop uh, video games for decades now. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Alex. Also been playing video games for quite a while now, uh, but only just got probably two years into uh, tabletop gaming. Uh, I'm also the editor for Dungeon Junkies. So. And I'm Kenny, the most important one, the <laughs> dungeon master of Dungeon Junkies, and I've I've been playing tabletop games for about a year and a half or so. So uh, you guys do a D&D 5E podcast. Uh, as do. we were kind of talking before, it kind of sounds like that's been the only tabletop you guys have ever done. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we, We've talked about doing maybe like a Call of Cthulhu or uh, what, what was the one that you Monster of the Week is one I really want to do. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about those, but obviously just stuck on that 5e for now so. <laughs> as somebody who is a call of cthulhu freak right there is sixth edition right behind kenny's head no. hey. um, i love call of cthulhu i have stuff that goes all the way back to second edition somewhere uh probably in storage still uh i love call of cthulhu it's a lot of fun there is a huge difference between sixth edition to seventh edition mm-hmm. it's still the same base idea but they added in some really cool mechanics. It's like going from uh, any other edition of D&D to 5e, now you've got advantage and disadvantage with the rules. Like, like yeah. It's still the same basic idea, mm-hmm. but there's these cool little add-ons that okay. are there. Um, nice. So Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, uh, newest one out there, a lot of fun. There's more money that y'all are going to end up putting into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's a percentile-based game, uh, so it's a little bit of a disconnect uh, from what you guys are used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, if you guys like military stuff, yeah. go check out Delta Green. Okay. It's the entire idea of doing Call of Cthulhu in a military-type background. Oh. Uh, and that's actually like... I, I, yes, <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I, kickst- I was a part of the Kickstarter for the new one that came out, and I was like... Yes, Delta Green. Give me new Delta like stuff. I, I love Delta Green. Um, it's one of my favorite things to kind of run. Uh, Delta Green runs me down a really weird rabbit hole of uh, I've had a player walk away from the table before. I've had a player uh, tell me about nightmares they had because of the game. Uh, oh, I like, want I, that to happen so bad. I love horror RPGs, so like when I really get into it, it's like we're playing by candlelight tonight, guys. This is how, like I, I get really way into oh, it. Oh, so. he's got a soundboard on his phone. <laughs> That's amazing. It's all of it. So yeah, no. When y'all get to that, let me know. Uh, I will definitely. Whoever's going to be running that, I'll be like. This is what you gotta do. No, this is what you need. Like, I'll, I'll whisper in their ear uh, to make it even worse for the rest of you. Yeah, so. Send us that soundboard too. <laughs> uh, I'll try and find it. That was on my Android phone. So, uh, but uh, I've got a lot of the sounds saved to my computer. So. Cool, right? Nice. <laughs> it's probably gonna be me running that one. Horror fanatic. Soundboards a lot of like creaking floorboards and like small like whispering voices we actually, some of those are actually me I actually create, like I'm, I'm big into making my own stuff so I was uh, like nice. I was sitting there with a cell phone for like six hours to get this one creepy little kid voice like perfect uh, so, now I have a little kid that if I could just as soon as her vocabulary is a little bit better uh, she's gonna be my creepy voice Ooh, oh yeah. you're so lucky I had to do it and edit the voice and I don't remember what episode it was in but I had oh it was for monsters under the bed that's uh, what it was for yeah yeah 
<laughs> for the intro, I did that one and then yeah. edited. Which I've actually listened to an episode of that. Uh, I, I was actually like, I was like, oh, they've got another podcast that they do. It's another actual play of something. And then I got there, I'm like, where's the dice roll? Where's the oh dice roll? man! <laughs> I was like, wait, this is this is a completely different yeah, thing. They yeah. just about <laughs> that was the poltergeists. We yeah, yeah we did we did a handful of episodes, mm-hmm. but we did poltergeists. We did we did. Um, Wow, that was so long ago. What yeah. else did we do? We did the Dragon's Triangle. Um, we did the... Yokai. Uh, we did, like, what, three episodes on Yokai or two? Yeah. two. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were really fun to do. Uh, but definitely not a D&D related. Really no. <laughs> no. Uh, definitely a little side project, so it's cool. Yeah, but sometimes we got to get out of the, the, the just live action. Right. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, a podcast I listen to that is just about uh, horror films and the reviews. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've got a podcast that's two comedians talking about small town murders. <laughs> uh, so, nice. I mean, uh, like, like I, I get really into like, okay, I can't do this today. I can't listen to any of these amazing people. Mm-hmm. I need to listen to these other amazing people. Yeah. Dear God, how did that guy do that? All right, I need to run that in a game. Like, <laughs> did, what? Okay. So, Inspiration. I mean, like, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of especially if you're running a horror game. Like, yeah, listening to some of these other things, it's like mm-hmm. notes, notes, notes. Oh, I'm driving. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to podcasts while driving. So. Yeah, it's fun being a passenger for that. <laughs> <laughs> You've never been a passenger in my work truck, and uh, I've never done this in my work truck. Work truck, boss. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I'll just scrub have, this part of the episode. You have done it in our car. <laughs> no, I was at a stop sign. Stop light. <laughs> Nice and safe. Nice and safe. So you have done it in the car, but it was justified. <laughs> yeah, it was justified. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do a quick round robin. Uh, just everybody, t- uh, just a quick like little yes or no type of answer. Uh, do the rules matter for me? Yes, they matter. Jonathan. Yes and no. <laughs> Kenny. Yeah, I got that same answer. I got a yes and I got a no. Mrs. RPG Hour. They matter to an extent. Alex. Uh, mostly yes, but a little no. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say for me it probably depends on the game, but yeah, a little bit of both leaning towards the yes. <laughs> so the main reason that I am all about a yes they matter is because at the end of the day, if you're sitting down and wanting to play a horror game, you need something that has a good pre-built something or other that's kind of focused on it, which is why I'm I'm all about the yes. Uh, technically yeah. speaking. Sure, you can sit down and enjoy anything with friends, mm-hmm. but there are certain things that when I'm like, okay, cool, we're playing this, this system really doesn't fit with what we're doing, there's another system that already is built to do it, mm-hmm. why did we have to spend, you know, two weeks f- reforming a system when there's something that already does it? Mm-hmm. I'm very much, this is RPG hour, not D&D hour, or World of Darkness hour, anything like that, because mm-hmm. I am one of those people that I'm like... I have shelves of RPGs for a reason. Like, yeah. If it's something that I want to do, if I want Wuxia, uh, or for those that aren't familiar with the term, if I want Kung Fu, if I want an action-packed hour, I've got Feng Shui too, um, which is a lot of fun. If I want uh, darkness with a bunch of weird creatures and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm going to grab World of Darkness. I'm going to grab Beyond the Supernatural uh, by Palladium. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, if I want a... Star Wars system, I still go to the old Westin games, D6 Star Wars. Um, I mean, I don't feel that there, I don't believe that there is truly a universal system yeah. that does everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I can pick up GURPS and I look at it and I'm like, I don't feel like I'm running, I can run anything that isn't science fiction or cyberpunk. Like, mm-hmm. it just, that's how, that's what GURPS gives me that feel of when I'm reading the rules. Yeah. 
And, you know, other people, oh, they pick it up and they're like, oh, I want to run fantasy with it. It works great for them. But uh, at the end of the day, the rules always kind of matter to the point of if you're sitting down to do something, you want to do something specific, Mm -hmm. grabbing a rule set that already is at least 90% there where you've only got like a little bit to carve away Mm -hmm. is a lot easier than picking up a system that everybody's familiar with and then tweaking it back to that point. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, that's that's me, Mm -hmm. but... I, I do think, um, especially when you're changing games, like if you were to go from D&D 5e to a completely different game, uh, and your expectation is more towards D&D 5e, and then you go towards, for example, Call of Cthulhu, uh, I think for a lot of people it's probably a little jarring in some way, uh, and it's just kind of it's kind of weird. And so maybe people try to dial it back to what they're used to, uh, back to D and D five E and uh, try to change it like that. So, um, oh yeah, we, we saw a lot of that with the um, during the edition wars during three and three five. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Monty Cook did a World of Darkness uh, D twenty, which just did not have the same feel for vampires and werewolves. Mm-hmm. The demon wasn't the demon stuff wasn't too bad, but I think that that was also um, I think that was also uh, somebody uh, doing that as a homebrew. I don't think that the demon stuff was from the original book, but it's been so long. Hmm. Um, and then, I mean, you know, we also saw um, uh, Delta Green actually had a D20 version. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sanity system was just not the same for me. I mean, it was uh, it, it didn't play out as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was definitely... You could see some of those things where they try and uh, force-feed something into it, and it just doesn't have that right feel. But. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's... I think a lot of it is, depending on which system you, you use, your game's going to have a different feel. Like, for example, if you're running if you're running Cyberpunk with Cyberpunk 2020, you're going to have that whole glam rocker vibe going, whereas yeah. if you're playing Shadowrun, it's completely different. You've got mages, you've got elves, it's, it's just, it's still Cyberpunk, but it's totally different. And yeah. part of it is the rules. Mm-hmm. And Shadowrun, for me, also has a darker feel than Cyberpunk 2020 does. Um, if you guys ever want a uh, cyberpunk game, I suggest checking out Cyber Generation or Cyberpunk 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry it's a does. L- <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> um, uh, eventually, we're going to do a one shot of those. So yeah, I mean, we'll yeah. you know we'll, we'll let you guys know. You have yeah. to come back for that. Nice. Let us know. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, it, it's not as dark. I mean, of course, there's always that dystopian feel in any cyberpunk thing. Yeah. But Cyberpunk 2020 definitely has that. I'm playing in an anime feel. At least for me. That's what I always like. I go, okay, I'm playing in an anime. This is what this is. So yeah. there's a slight fluffiness to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how you described that. Fluffy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like to use the word fluffy. Not everybody always... Yeah. It's not always the same for everybody, no, but... Uh, he really likes to use fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> you caught my attention fluffy at anime. <laughs> and then fluffy just made it even better. <laughs> it still is a very dark system, a very dark world. Mm-hmm. Um, our Talisaurian does a very good work. I mean, Mike Pondsmith, uh, who, for those of you that also don't know, he is POC, uh, an amazing writer, and he has a cult following similar to um, Chuck Norris. If you go, <laughs> yes. on, our, if you go on, on our Telesaurians uh, Twitter, uh, there's Mike Pondsmith facts, which I... I they're hilarious. They're though. hilarious and 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolute fact. Absolute, absolute fact. Absolute fact. Uh, but uh, they... When they tackle um, a lot of the stuff, you get that it's an '80s cyberpunk feel. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, you get this kind of like Blade Runner, 
you get yeah. um, a little bit of the uh, Judge Dredd movie aspect. Not the co- not the comic books. The comic <laughs> books are a bit darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get that you get that almost feel like I'm going into this world. I'm going to get to play this versus Shadowrun. You know, it's like, dear God, somebody's hacking into my brain. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. You know, I mean, it, it, there's a lot more of a dark, gritty. Your character could die at any point because of magic or tech, and you have no clue what's going on until yeah. the last minute. Mm-hmm. Well, in cyberpunk, it's very gritty because that's what cyberpunk is. It's, right. it's a gritty future. But in Shadowrun, there are a lot of dark elements in it that you've got the horrors that w- that existed before, and are they coming back in? Uh, you've got you've got dragons that are really just inscrutable and completely overpowered and you never know when one's going to totally ruin your life <laughs> and there's just a lot of that there's a lot of that the blood mages from as technology they're just scary there's a lot of stuff like that in Shadowrun that it's it's a lot darker and it's still you can still play gritty in it but it's it's just dark mm-hmm. it sounds more funny it keeps you on the edge all the time <laughs> oh yeah especially when you have an idiot wants to get his players to the point where they're paranoid about everything and asking all the right questions, they need yep. to play paranoia. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm on clone 325. What number did you start on? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, be ready if you ever do play paranoia, your character's going to die. Of course, it just depends on, you know, what security level they have access to and, you know, if they ask the wrong question, <laughs> something that they should not even know to ask because they don't have the clearance, uh, that could really ruin their day. <laughs> oh yeah, no. But I mean, yeah. The, but I mean, that is back to I think um, setting definitely makes a difference when you're picking a system. Absolutely. Uh, because I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, if I want to play a tactical flair to a fantasy thing. I'm going to go for Rollmaster, I'm going to go for d and I'm going to go for Merp, if I can find a copy of it. Uh, I'm still a Merp fan, make fun of me all you want. Merp is Middle-earth roleplay, uh, that's kind yeah. of the predecessor to Rollmaster. It's Rollmaster uh, for Tolkien. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, to me it's kind of the one of the best flavors of the Middle-earth roleplaying games that have come out. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a 5e one that they really, they deconstructed D&D magic. Mm-hmm. And reconstructed it in Tolkien flavor. Mm. Okay. And, um, I'm trying to. I think that's Cubicle Seven, but I could be completely wrong. <laughs> uh, but there's a five E Middle Earth uh, setting that actually really does bring that back. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when I look at it, I still get kind of uh, the setting is there, but some of the rules I don't feel like I am fighting to the death because D and D is very high fantasy. Yeah. Even yeah. If, yeah. Even if you even if you pull all the magic out of it. Mm-hmm. With the way that D and D's written, it's high fantasy. And if you want to play a game where your character could die at any minute, like mm-hmm. Middle Earth, I think <laughs> that you know running back over to Rollmaster is a thing because, sure, at level one I can kill a level twenty character, but Whoa. but a level one character can just murder you exactly. Can murder I mean, your face right off at any moment. <laughs> so I know the GM has a lot more level one characters than you do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Well, and I mean. You know, there, there's no um, one of the things I do like about Rollmaster, uh, specifically for the way that the system is built, is there is no real low-level creatures, okay. and, and I really like that because you can encounter a tiger at any point in your campaign, and it's not like, oh, remember at second level where we defeated that horde of uh, tigers? Let's do it again. I mean, you don't do that. It's you're yeah. never like, we barely survived that one encounter. Maybe we should barely survive this one. Encounter. Yes. A horde yeah, of tigers. Terrifying. <laughs> I know, right? But I mean, like, you know, it's just, it, 
the they're, setting to they're me they're worse than my dad's cobalt yeah <laughs> setting and tactical versus non-tactical mm-hmm. matter when picking the system because if you don't want something that is more tactical based that's focused on having a grid in the middle of the table even if you're going to run it theater of the mind D&D has that built in mm-hmm. yeah Rollmaster has that built in mm-hmm. If I want something that's not going to have that, that's not really built towards that, there are systems out there that are very well done that don't even have a movement rate for your character built into the system. And so it really is all about theater of the mind mm-hmm. and you know focusing on can my character do it versus can my character get around and flank and this side. Some systems are still tactically based, but they kind of are, it's a fluffy version of hey. that. <laughs> we need a fluff count. Yeah, that's two. We're, we're not doing a fluff count. We're doing fluff, fluff count. count. <laughs> uh, fluff count. 2019. <laughs> uh, Harp is a version of Rollmaster uh, that kind of pulls it a little more in. It's actually a bit more deadly than regular Rollmaster. Um, and there is in it the ability for your character to not only die in an instant, mm-hmm. um, but it, it takes the tactical and kind of moves a bit away from the tactical aspect of the game, mm-hmm. uh, because you've got where you can flank with just you on an enemy. Mm-hmm. You can get the flanking bonus because you got behind him or you got to the side of them or something like that, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, okay, cool, your character's positioned there, and so it plays a little more to the theater of the mind, but it still has the aspect for the table. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's go completely out there if you're going to go this way. How about Fate? Okay. Fate doesn't even have miniature rules. In Fate, even if you're playing with miniatures, you don't play on a grid, you play in zones. And that means my character is somewhere, somewhere in this in shape room. here. This triangle <laughs> here is the living room, this square over there, that's the other side of the living room, uh-huh. and over here is the kitchen. And your character is in this somewhere. Now, it works great because it's not designed for flanking rules. And mm-hmm. and weapon ranges and stuff like that is designed yeah. for your character doing awesome things mm-hmm. in the room that he's in. Yeah. And so, if you've got a weapon, then you go up and you hit the guy. You don't move five squares and then hit the guy. Yeah. It's not a tactical war game. It's not designed to be. Mm-hmm. But what it is designed to do is to tell a compelling story mm-hmm. and to tell it well. Yeah. And that's the point of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the point of most of the rules is to tell the compelling story, which is where you'd have to you might have to take a step back from the rules as if during gameplay, uh, in the specific system you're playing, the rules can get in the way of telling a great story. Mm-hmm. And if we're like, okay, maybe maybe we, I don't need to make him make a roll on this necessarily because mm-hmm. it would just be really awesome and, I'm, and it was such a good idea mm-hmm. that we'll just let this happen yeah. and everybody have a, a great time. A lot of times yeah. the, the story needs to trump the rule set. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that we, way the game is enjoyable. Yeah. And we start when we started playing, we were non all about the rules. Oh, Everything yeah. was especially you. Yeah, that was something I had to Especially you. I because I, I you like, like no you can't. I'm reading all the books. I know everybody's classes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't do that. No, but it'd be really cool. No, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. But now we've like since we've been playing especially cuz we're just experienced with 5th edition D&D. Mm-hmm. So now that we've been playing that version for so long, we can kind of like and I do it all the time where I'm like, wow, that was a really great idea. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can bend things to make this work. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I am all about um, if, the, if the player comes to me and they explain what their concept is and they give me everything, I'm all about, yes, let's do this craziness, let's yeah. forego the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, if a player doesn't come to me with that, though, 
I kind of am a bit more on the rules with them only because I have no clue what direction they're trying to go or right. do Definitely. things. Right. And so um, I that's why I, I kind of prefer systems where I have less rules to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to limit players, but at the same time, if I have no clue what you're trying to do as a player, like if, if I hand a character sheet, which I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but mm. at the start of almost every campaign that we do, we have a list of like two or three pages of questions and like there's like a paragraph of like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what the Empire is, mm-hmm. and this is who the Empire is. Is your character pro, anti, or doesn't care about the Empire? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we, we, we do these for at the start of each campaign, so the Game Master has a copy of what your character's going to go. Mm-hmm. If I hand one of those out and you hand it back to me, and there's like, yes, no, <laughs> yes, no, I have no clue what the motivations of your character is, I'm going to... F- I'm going to kind of lean more towards the rules with your character because mm-hmm. I have no clue what the end goal of what you're trying to do is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, granted, if it's like, I'm going to flip through the error and cut this guy cool, just roll to attack. I'm not going to make you do an acrobatics check and all mm-hmm. that. But yeah. if you're trying to seduce the head of the order of, you know, uh, celibate monks, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what your actual end goal is, I'm probably going to be like... Roll the die, let's see if this even happens. Depending on how celibate that monk has been for the last however many years, it might not be too difficult. (laughs) And I I think speaking on player expectations, I think uh, you can also... Because some people like the very tactical aspect of uh, D&D, for example, and uh, so they like to have very specific things happening, and so you can add more rules instead of uh, taking it away. Uh, but again, it's always about the, the player expectation and like, so if you try to add more rules for the tactical thing, but they're like, nah, I just want I just want a cool story. I just want to enjoy this for what it is. <laughs> then you've kind of gone the wrong way. So, uh, which ultimately means, you know, it's a good idea to communicate to your DM. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I'm, I'm starting to lean towards um, the Powered by the Apocalypse stuff because there's no... GM roles, there's no... The Game Master doesn't really have to worry about like what they're trying to do. They narrate things, the mm-hmm. players narrate back, they may or may not have a role to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the other things that I really like is there's a system called Masks, which is basically Teen Titans and Young Justice and uh, Young Avengers, and it's, it's mm-hmm. you play, you're playing teenagers is the idea behind the system. Your stats, there's five stats, and when people are talking to you and interacting with you, mm-hmm. your stats can go up and down, and you have to fight back on how your stats mm-hmm. are going to go. Yeah. Um, and the stats aren't traditional. It's not like strength and all that. It's like uh, there's savior, which is like, you know, is your character a hero? You know, are they like Captain America is basically what I like to call that stat. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and then there's freak, which is kind of, you know, unleashing your powers and using your abilities and things like that. And there's the mundane, which is, mm-hmm. you know, more of... Uh, looking at things from Black Widow's perspective and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. sure, she's a super badass, and you know her freak is probably way up, but she's also mundane. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when you're talking to somebody, they can try to raise your mundane and lower your savior. Wow. And so things like that can happen in the system. And I and I, and I kind of like narrative systems like that mm-hmm. where you yourself are trying to interact with the world, mm-hmm. and the world is literally going to affect your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that systems like that. I mean, that's not all though. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I still like games where there's a lot of rolling as well. It mm-hmm. just depends on what I'm doing. Um, like I said, I, I like Rollmaster. I like that kind of stuff. There's a new system called uh, coming out called Versus the Dark Master, mm-hmm. and it's 
towards the old Middle Earth roleplay, towards that stuff where it's percentile based and stuff like that. And everything that I've read about it, um, including their uh, quick start guide, uh, is honestly really cool. I'm going to get in on that Kickstarter when it comes out. <laughs> um, it's going to be a big, thick book. And that's one of the other things that I, I like about some systems is it's all in one book. It's one big, thick book. You yeah. buy one book, you've got everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm used to having to buy 10 books. <laughs> yeah. With, with, with D&D editions, that's also, like, really bad. Uh, with Rollmaster, it's even worse. Uh, can if you turn around, Rollmaster Standard Rules is the main book. Then next to it is Spell Law, which is all of the magic. Then next to it is uh, Martial Law, which is Firearms, which is basically t- tweaking things to modern day. Mm. Arms Law is all of the weapons. Um, uh, this direction. Yeah, believe it or not, this has no magic in it whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's a pretty it has no monsters. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the creatures and monsters next to that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next to that is, uh, I can't even read because those ones are kind of small. And then there's Game Master Law over there. So, I mean, like, it's, it's like that's just to run the main game, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Really, at the bare minimum, you could do the main book and Spell Law and Arm Law and Game Master Law and call that quits and just go from there. <laughs> but that's like four books. Like, D&D, yeah. you're like... All right, I guess I can use just the main book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But really, I also need you know the game master guide and the mm-hmm. um, uh, the monster manual. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, I'm more grateful now. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I think that's I think that goes into it as well as do the rules matter? Mm-hmm. How many books are you buying? <laughs> How much is actually going into what you're buying and stuff like mm-hmm. that? I think that if you want a simple, you know. Um, um, if you want a simple system, something where you buy one book and you're done, mm-hmm. and you don't have to spend a whole bunch of money into it, I think that, that really does matter as a part of, not just do the rules matter, I think that that goes into it, because if all the rules are spread out over ten different books, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you don't have those ten different books and you're flipping through them, and you know, how you spend... How accessible is the game? Yeah, how yeah. accessible yeah. is the game? And I think accessibility goes two ways. One, do people with disabilities have an easy time with it? Mm-hmm. And two, does anybody have an easy time with it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I know players who are disabled who pulling up one PDF is hard for them. Where <laughs> pulling up one PDF is very difficult for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if we're looking at it, I mean, just behind me uh, is Palladium. Um, and this isn't even our entire collection. Uh, okay. This is just some of it. Yeah. So... Um, this right here, this is just our Rifts books, and these are only a very small part of it. Yeah, uh, it's like, what, 30 this, or so Rifts books? More than now. More than that. Uh, more than that now. Wow. So this is just five books right here, um, and then these three books right here are for pretty much for anything. There's a Ninja and Super Spies that is basically the Batman Ninjas, book. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Contemporary weapons. This is just oh, this is just weapons. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. <laughs> um, this has been republished. There's a new book called After the Bomb. Uh, it's pretty much yeah. the same rules. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I'm about to butcher <laughs> yeah. a I'm about to but- butcher a writer's name, but Eric Wujic is like one of my pantheon of uh, tabletop yeah. role playing writers. Uh, yeah. Like, he has ascended to godhood because he's no longer here with us. <laughs> but, like, when he wrote books, like, it was coherent. Even in the days of, like, games aren't coherent, his <laughs> are more coherent than other games. You're supposed um, to be intelligent enough to understand the rule set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he does, he does a good job. Um, this right here is our fantasy palladium 
stuff, and this isn't even all of it. Uh, this is six books. At home. Yeah, uh-huh. six books. <laughs> now, I will say this. The main book is basically your player's guide, DM's guide, mm. and uh, monster manual all in one. There is You can actually run everything with this, and okay. this is a... Okay. What is this? A 336-page uh, book. <laughs> so, I mean, you could literally just grab this and run it, but then each of the books, the splat books that come out, there's new uh, monster classes, new uh, occupational classes, mm-hmm. um... I mean, so it's... I was going to say, you really would have trouble if you didn't have Monsters and Animals. (laughs) Yes, yes, no. Monsters and Animals is definitely a book that you kind of need for running uh, Palladium because just... It's almost the same size as the main... It's like three quarters of the same size as the main book. And that's good for players, too. Because in Palladium, they give player stats for every... Well, almost every uh, sentient sentient race, <laughs> oh. and so if you see a cool monster in the monster book, you, it gives you rules on how to roll up your character. <laughs> <laughs> I think that also. I think that's one of the big things that matters as well when looking at it is how easy is it to build your character concept. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. D and D. A lot of the time, what I did as a game master was sitting there going, "Okay, how do I make?" A barbarian fairy for this player that wants to do this. Where's the fairy stats? Where's the you know? I mean, you're yeah. running through like 15 splat books, and you find the fairy, and then you're sitting there trying to deconstruct the fairy yeah. to make it into a player class. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's that's. I mean, some systems Palladium has a kind of way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Rollmaster, there's a, a book that I don't actually have. Um, but uh, the talent law that has been out, like there's a version of the talent law for every system uh, that Rollmaster has had, and in there it actually tells you how to build a race. Oh, and so you. Can oh, that's li- cool. Yeah, you can literally go in and um, uh, we had somebody at the table that was trying to build an angel for a game that we were going to do, <laughs> um, and they used the talent law book to build that mm. a- angel. Okay. And so um, I think that that's one thing is, I think we're seeing a lot of even though D and D five E is very popular. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other systems out there that do things. I'm not going to say better, mm. but I'm going to say differently. <laughs> that is more accessible to more players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's for me why rules matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because at the end of the day, if I can't go sit down and just create something easily, mm-hmm. I'm going to look for something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've been running for 14 years. I three months into playing games. Mm. The group I was in said, hey, we've all run games, we've all played games, we want to all sit and play together, we've never gotten to do that, mm. you're the new guy, you've got the books, you run the next campaign. <laughs> and so, three months yeah, in, I'm like, <laughs> and I've always ended up being the game master, because in, in a lot of situations, um, I have except so for when I ran into uh, Jonathan and the group up in Georgetown, mm. I actually got to sit and play a lot. <laughs> Some of those were a lot of fun. <laughs> Some of those were, we have no clue what actually happened, uh, depending on who was running. We were like, oh, this system is so bad, we're just not going to play this. <laughs> yes. 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 See, we, I don't think we've experienced that yet. Maybe that's, you know, because we've played with the same group of people for the most part since yeah. we started. Yeah. Yeah. And we've lost a couple people, but we've still had, you know, the four of us that are, mm. that are playing, missing Nick right now of course but we haven't really had a lot of terrible experiences where it's like oh this this game sucks you know we because we've only played 5e but we've i don't think we've ever had like a sit down where it was like oh what's up with this story yeah like what's up with this character or we've really never had that got lucky we've gotten lucky you know 
never been, wow, now that I've actually built this character, they're kind of unplayable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once, once you start expanding out into other systems, you'll eventually need it. Yeah. Um, and then when oh, you yeah. go back to D&D, you're going to be like, oh, I played this really cool thing over here. How can I do that in D&D? Dear God, I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on book 35, and I can't still figure out this one thing. I mean, so, I mean... Or in 5e, it's more like, okay, I have this cool ability, but... It, does absolutely nothing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of that. And if you, if, if like Henry came up to me and was like, "I want to make an angel character," and it's not an option in fifth, and you're just like, "Nah, dude, just choose something else." I'm not trying to do all that work and make your character. Just choose the other twenty races you can choose now. And that's why the rules that, matter. That is, <laughs> partially. So the DM can go, mm, nah. But if you came to me and you're like. You know, I'm not going to have fun unless I make this character. Like, this, I hate this game now. Like, I, I'm not going to play if I can't make this character. I'd be like, oh, all right, dude. All right. Like, you, you better know, figure well, it out. We're gonna, you can figure it out, and I'll, like, approve it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. See, and that, that's, that's what uh, happened a lot in my early days of GMing is we had between us over 100 books for three and 3-5 for D&D. Yeah. And we were just constantly going back and forth. Hey, I want to play this thing. What what level are we starting at? Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to play a troll in 3 or 3-5 D&D, you had to have uh, 6 or 7 levels just for the troll race. Mm-hmm. And then like you start whatever class you're going to have after that. Uh, yeah. And if you add on the feral package because you want to be a big brooding barbarian with no intelligence... Uh, Point me direction, I've mashed. You can't even do that intelligently. Um, yeah. Um, point smash, I do. You know, like that. that <laughs> the feral package was another level or two. Uh-huh. And so you end up with like this huge. Uh, we were playing level 15 characters one time because uh, we were only going to be playing for a short period and uh, it was a uh, go kill the gods type of campaign. Mm. Um, so I was like, everybody start at level 15, you'll hit level 20 or so before, you know we get to that point, we'll end on a high note. Yeah. And this one person wanted to be a troll barbarian, and a majority of their levels were just in troll, the feral template, and something else. (laughs) And they had like two or three levels of barbarian. They still did a crap ton of damage, and they Mm -hmm. still did a lot of really cool things. But at the end of the day, it was very difficult to, you know, um, for them to do certain things, because... A barbarian that was an elf or a dwarf or a human or anything like that would have had 15 levels of barbarian mm-hmm. or maybe you know 10 and then like some kind of splat additional little uh, prestige class so there was abilities that come with being a barbarian that they just didn't have yeah of course sense. yeah uh, damage reduction yeah I mean he's a troll but still yeah regeneration <laughs> is, that's part of why you want to go troll but oh, yeah. so um, I think that some of that has been alleviated with four uh, E kind of fixed that three uh, E tried to fix it by making three five um, the Pathfinder um, Pathfinder did not actually fix things for me. <laughs> Sorry, Pathfinder fans. You can go. But uh, I think I think player availability also is why the system matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you've got people that only want to play D and D, that only want to play Pathfinder, mm-hmm. that only want to play Powered by the Apocalypse or Palladium or Feng Shui or Rollmaster, Rollmaster, which is <laughs> I was still I'm still surprised how many players I've gotten at the table with Rollmaster. Oh, I know it's been crazy. <laughs> but I mean, like I try and run Star Wars D six, and I get like two people showing up, and one of them wants to be an Ewok prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Ewok 
Force sensitive. That, not that campaign. <laughs> this was wait, before wait. you. Force sensitive? <laughs> <laughs> um. I grew plants in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, no. I, I had a different campaign that you were not a part of that was before your day. Uh, mm-hmm. That was uh, the two people that showed up was a um, Ewok who wanted to be a New Age prostitute mm-hmm. nice. and a Wookiee that wanted to be the pimp. <laughs> and they had a flying ship that they. <laughs> if I wanted to play this kind of role playing, I would be playing uh, J- Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I would go find my copy of Fatal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, if you go into the deep dark, deep dark web of a uh, tabletop role playing game, you'll hear about a game called Fatal. Cast. So, uh, <laughs> there, there, there's, there's always something out there that kind of may or may not get players to the, the table. Um, the only thing that I find I, really funny, when this topic comes up, it gets really controversial in some circles. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, the people are like, no, the rules really don't matter. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. They're either D&D only, World of Darkness only, mm-hmm. or they're, like, I rarely find it, people that play another system only, but they're usually those kind of people, and so when you're like, well, if the rules don't matter, how about you come play Rollmaster? That doesn't really sit well with me. Like, yeah. like, at the end of the day, everybody that I always find that's like, no, the rules do not matter, like, you cannot get them to play anything but their one system because, well, the rules don't matter, so why don't we play this? Well, you have, you have to think of the rules as like the framework for a house, mm-hmm. right? So it's the structure, but everything else that goes on the outside and on the inside and everything, that... If the stru- if the structure of the house gets in the way for you having a bathroom in your house, <laughs> you need to knock down some walls yeah. and make a bathroom in your house. <laughs> yeah, there always needs to be room for changes and whatnot, depending on who's playing and what they want. Uh, but definitely having some kind of structure is always nice for yeah. Almost anything. Like, so. Be accommodating to your players to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to bend over backwards and give them everything they want. Yeah. It just yeah. screws you in the end. But yeah. It's definitely situational. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell you what situation where the rules <laughs> would apply and where they wouldn't. Because mm-hmm. it kind of just has to happen while we're playing. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you had a character and you wanted to bust through a concrete wall, I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, you you're able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it's, I don't think it's something you should ever get in the habit of. And, it, and it's, I think if you had a, a player who was consistently trying to circumvent the rules, mm-hmm. even if they're like, oh, that's really creative and really cool, but look, man, we're, we're trying to play this game. And, we, mm-hmm. and if you don't, like, like you're saying, if this is not the rules you want to play, let's find a better system. Because, mm-hmm. because in my opinion, those thoughts should go hand in hand. If you don't think the rules that matter that much, then yeah, you should be able to play any kind of system because <laughs> if, yeah, let's, if the rules don't matter, let's get another set of rules. Let's yeah. have fun with that set. Let's do whatever, you know, necessarily within the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we can play whatever we want. Mm-hmm. We don't have to stick to one thing. No. I think I think sticking to one thing is you saying the rules absolutely matter because mm-hmm. I can only play D and D. I can only play yeah. you know Rollmaster or whatever it is. These are the set of rules that I am allowing myself to to use and nothing else yeah so. which is a huge i guess creative limit mm. for for everybody involved yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i think that really affects new players too because mm. you start playing for example you guys started playing D D. you yeah. haven't really gotten outside of that very much yeah and i feel like if 
I feel like it's important for new players to experience a bunch of different systems, kind yeah. of almost oh, like yeah. all at once, just a bunch of one shots, just like let's play this, let's play this, let's play this. Yeah. I think that's really important because it gets you, it gives you an idea of the kinds of characters you want to play mm-hmm. and the rules systems that allow you to play those kinds of characters. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. I think basically my my rule is before I start a campaign, when we're looking at what we're gonna do. If I have to house roll more than ninety percent of the game, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, if I've got more than ten percent house rules, mm-hmm. so once I hit ten percent, I've got ninety percent of the base set game. I'm okay with that. As soon as yeah. it starts going 89, 88, 87, 86, as soon as I start getting into where I'm adding more and more house rules mm-hmm. than that percentage, uh-huh. I start going. Is there a system out there that's already built for it? For is sure. there something that already has that? Because as a game master, I've already got a sh- shit ton of stuff i got to do. <laughs> do I want this extra stuff that I've got? Yeah. D&D yeah. 5e, I've got two house rules um, that I have. And one is spell points instead of spell slots. Yeah. Um, I just, it, it's a lot easier. Um, oh, yeah. I created my own because I couldn't find one out there. Mm. Um. So basically, the the one that I wrote uh, gives double the amount of spells. Mm. Okay. And so you end up with this where they're able to cast twice as many that they can. Mm. But the way that it works is um, that they've just got a set amount of points. A level one spell costs one point. A level two spell costs two points. Mm-hmm. So you can waste all gotcha. of your spells points on a level two spell that you want to just keep casting over and over and over again. Yeah. You can't really do that with the regular D and D rules. So that kind mm-hmm. of fluffs that. Mm-hmm. Um, Three. Huh. <laughs> oh nothing. What? Continue. Love. <laughs> if there was a fence on the backyard, I'd bury you all. <laughs> so that was like a subconscious count. I didn't even mean to do that. It just We're just like three. Uh <laughs> The other 5e house rule that um, I always add in uh, is that I don't really do disadvantage unless it's a dire situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rules in the D&D 5e handbook mm-hmm. have to where there is so much stuff that can give you a disadvantage role. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to do that to players. You're laying really prone. Don't... You're five feet away. Disadvantage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if, you're, if your character is, like, stuck under a rock... And, like, you are SOL, you've got one arm that you can do, you're rolling disadvantage. There's, there's no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, I mean, if your character is on the opposite side of the tavern and you're firing into melee, uh, no. I'm yeah. not gonna... Just just shoot it. You're a talented warrior, why mm. can't you shoot into combat? Like, yeah. that's, that's also a house rule that goes into pretty much every system <laughs> in existence, um, is why can't you shoot into combat mm-hmm. you're a talented warrior like I just that baffles me or if you don't care about your friends <laughs> yeah well I mean it, it, you can run into any melee situation and swing your sword and your friend can come over stand right next to you and swing their axe mm-hmm. and you don't I've, hit each other yeah I've mm-hmm. trained with uh, different kinds of wooden weapons and things mm-hmm. like that we hit the crap out of each other mm-hmm. standing five feet from each other <laughs> yeah. that's what you're standing in a, in a game is about five feet yeah. from each other yeah. how are you not you know so why can't you shoot into combat the same that you can just hit into combat? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my thinking on that personally. Yeah, yeah. And so that's like one percent of the game is already house ruled. I've got nine percent more that I can do before I'm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. 
just to play devil's advocate, I think the assumption there is that the person who's you're shooting at doesn't want to get shot. And so they're going to be standing behind the guy that they're whacking on so that you can't hit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe they're a good enough archer. I've shot into combat before. But she I used to do, uh, nerd. But it depends on whether you're sh- you want to shoot through your friend mm-hmm. or whether you were waiting until the guy gets out from behind to mm-hmm. get a shot. Mm-hmm. To preface what Mrs. RPGR was talking about, she used to be a part of, um, what's the acronym for it's that? It's SCA. SCA, yeah. Um, Riddle of Steel. <sighs> it's the SCA approved game. <laughs> oh, I haven't actually played that. It's very good. Um, no, but it's all about, like, am I am I slightly taller than what I'm shooting at from where I'm standing? <laughs> yes? Cool, I can shoot into combat. Am I not? I can arch it. <laughs> I think in a situation like that, like if, if you guys were all fighting like a bunch of goblins or something and you were maybe short, like a crew of halflings, all of you, we'll just use that as an easy example, and you were, you were all fighting goblins and I, you know, Archer wants to hit the goblin that maybe you are fighting, right? And he's standing in front of it, but that goblin's almost dead, and he goes to fire his arrow. Be like, if it suited the story, in this case, for example, if it suited the story and that goblin was going to die immediately, I'd be like, instead of saying, oh, you're, no, he's in the way, you can't hit the goblin, I'd be like, oh yeah, you can fucking, you know, just, (laughs) sorry. Um, (laughs) You can, you, you can, you know, you can just turn, him or move him to the side and hit him like mm-hmm. yeah just well and that's bad example that's you know but that's how we've always played we've never played where you get disadvantage or anything like that for shooting into combat yeah and never you know yeah, sometimes friendly fire is a necessary <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this coming from the person who in a science fiction campaign that was based on the alien series look i was by the blast door there was a bomb a grenade about to go off yeah, my teammates were in there, but I'm more important than they are. So I'm going to step inside and close the door because I'm a smart person. She was channeling her inner Ripley. What did you want? <laughs> it's not my fault our EOD expert doesn't know how to throw. <laughs> That's the other thing. Um, when I pick a system, I look at how much am I going to have to tell players during character creation what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Specific, As, which specific skills are mandatory yeah. for the optimal campaign results? Yeah. I always try and I always try and avoid. There's some systems out there where um, I look at it and I'm like, I have to do way too much to get players to the point where they're they're doing what they need to do. Yeah. Um, some systems have built in where you have to take like a specific skill to throw your weapon, a specific skill to... And while that's fine and dandy, when you've got brand new players and you're having to sit there, <coughs> uh, if you don't do a session zero, mm-hmm. specifically for creating characters and stuff like that, you're looking at hours on creating characters just to get into that first game. Yeah. 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 And um, we had a situation where we created characters, and I sat there and I was telling everybody... Take the throwing skill. You're probably going to end up needing to throw stuff. Take the throwing skill. The EOD specialist did not take the throwing skill. <laughs> Do you know who is the only character that needed to use the throwing skill ever that entire campaign? The EOD specialist. Nobody else was ever in a situation where they needed to throw anything, which was convenient because, you know, they had the throw skill. They could do it if they needed to, but we never had to. Yeah, That's why every man's skills exist. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, after after having played that campaign was when I really started learning about um, the idea of everyman skills, and mm. so uh, for I don't know if you guys have ever encountered that. So everyman skills is the idea where at the beginning of a campaign, if everybody in your campaign for so, so to speak goes to school and learns about the region, then they start with knowledge of that region at like one or two, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's basically like everybody gets starting skills whether they want them or not. Like mm-hmm. you, um, you had an older, an older like Rollmaster has, uh, depending on the edition, has a lot of skills. Mm. Harp doesn't have as many. Um, Rollmaster Standard has over a hundred skills. Mm. Um, wow. You could literally create. I either like a skill-heavy game or a game that has, like, no skills. Like, mm-hmm. I either want Working a concept... That makes yeah. sense. Like, mm-hmm. I either want to be able to build a concept with every bit of the system in there, mm-hmm. or I want my concept to be, here's what I wrote on my paper, here's what the Game Master understands, here's the... F- here is the area <laughs> that we can discuss... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the area that we can discuss and work on. That was almost uh, a fluff. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, so there's, there's this like little area that you can work on, and I like either having the skill to do it or not having to worry about it. And so yeah, for sure. Uh, that is one of the things. Like when I'm picking a system, I look at that. I'm like, okay, how many skills do they have? What are the skills? And um, I'm still a big fan of an out of print game uh, called Bessem. Mm. Uh, big uh, eyes, Bessem. small mouth. Uh, the entire skill system is completely optional, mm. and if you do add it in, it looks like very few skills, but every skill can be sub-skilled. Okay. Um, and so it's you real... Can, you can tweak and specialize in, mm-hmm. in certain things. It, it's, nice. it's basically designed... It's Big Eyes, Small Mouth, which is an anime-based game. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to be able to, you know, build a Goku or build... You know, whoever. Nice. Mm. Screaming five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always enjoyed uh, some of the. So one of the things that I hate is when a system goes under, when a, and a company goes under, and it's real hard to get players into those stuff because you're like, okay, I've got like five copies of it around here somewhere still. I gotta find all five <laughs> copies so I can continue running this. Um, uh, I mean, uh, Bessem is one of those systems. Uh, we actually own uh, four copies of a setting that they did called Dreaming City. Um, Dreaming City is kind of a, there's werewolves and vampires and um, fairy folk and everything in modern day. Mm. And so Dreaming nice. City, it's a good framework also. If you, if you strip away the setting, the framework for the TriStat system is still there. Um, and so at the end of the day, you can go in there and still be like, oh, we don't need the skill system for this game. Oh no, we need it. And um, it, It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based around anime except for that one book uh, there's yeah. also a cyberpunk book that's not based around anime <laughs> yeah. um, but and you can get like you can get like flavor books basically where um, there's a bubblegum crisis one there's a tenchi muyo one there's like huh. all kinds of like very an- like hard suit yeah that would be an awesome RPG yeah <laughs> uh, I've actually got the on that shelf right there is the bubblegum crisis book Sweet. it is yeah. it, when I saw it I was like yeah, like um, he, he comes up. Big... He comes up to me at half price, babe. I, I kind of need this book. And I was like, yeah, we kind of need that book. <laughs> uh, for you guys, I don't know if you guys are anime fans. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Y'all know Bubblegum Crisis? Mm. I've heard of it. Yeah. It's, it's basically so like it's um, so if Power Rangers 
uh, had uh, personal armor rather yeah. than a giant Megazord, yeah, yeah. and it was all females. <laughs> it's it's Power Rangers meets Powerpuff Girls. Yes, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's a much better analogy. Uh, it, it, but it's slight splash of Sailor Moon. Yeah, yeah, um, just, a, just a little sprinkle. Oh, and all of the suits uh. are high heeled. Yeah, uh, like, all of the suits are high heels. So it's really sexy. <laughs> so it's really sexy. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they have boob armor. Yeah. Okay, of nice. course. <laughs> like boob but uh, <laughs> Crisis is a lot of fun. Uh, mm. Just the idea of it—it's—it's it's a less uh, gritty cyberpunk mm. world because it takes on the idea that you've got people that actually live in the good part of the uh, the good mm. part of the cyberpunk world, and mm. they live in that and they operate in that and they you know go about their day to day. But then they step out of it to be these superheroes and these power mm. armors because <laughs> of the dark gritty side of cyberpunk. Mm. Yeah. and okay. that's what I really liked about it. Is it was kind of a step away from the normal, like even in the nice fluffy side. Some Yeah. <laughs> Even in the nice side of I things. I feel like this is going to be a t-shirt now. <laughs> yeah. It should be. It's a good idea. <laughs> Even in the nice side of things, you still see the dark, gritty underbelly mm. of cyberpunk in it. So, mm. um, Plus, one of the girls was a singer. Was a, was yeah. a rock singer. Yeah, she's singer. a rock, yeah, How much yeah, she's a rock star. Yeah. Motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. Um, they, one of the girls worked for the police department, which had a specific division to deal with the robots that I these girls she was kind of a bad. Um, and the one chick runs a lingerie store, yeah, Ooh, which is their nice. secret headquarters. <laughs> nice. So it's 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 a very anime thing. But uh, no, the big eyes, small mouth had all these little splat books, mm. and it used their base. Actually, no, what? I take it back. Bubblegum Crisis isn't, isn't Bessem. Is it not? It's Cyberpunk Twenty Twenty. Was it? it? That would oh. be probably appropriate. Hand me the book. I want to confirm this right quick. I think it's. Which one was it? I think it's in between uh, Ars Magica and Shadowrun 5th Edition. Oh, I was going to say it's going to take me yeah, an hour to find. <laughs> oh, it's Fusion. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did you take it back? It is no, an Artalisaurian game. The Tenchi Muyo one is the one that we have for mm. Bessem. Yes. Um, so Bessem is really cool. It's got a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is actually for our Talosaurian games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the few licenses that they've ever had. I've never wanted to play a fusion game before, but that one might change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like fusion, uh-huh. but I always pick um, the 3D6 mm-hmm. when I run it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, when you're getting trying to get players to the table and they've only ever played Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. 3d6 is a, is a bit easier for them to stomach than 1d10. Mm. Yes. So uh, it's like, so you get a 3 to 18, mm-hmm. or you can get a 1 to 10. Which guys, what, what do you guys want? Uh, 3, to, <laughs> 3 to 18. Yeah, 3 to 18. Yeah, that's closer to a d20. Um, but yeah, no, you've got personal power armor uh, that has like little little and bonuses and things. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all high heels. Like um, the the like crazy weird fashion show high heels, not just the regular like oh this is a good stiletto. No, these are like the over the you're, top. Ba- you're basically on point with a spike coming out of you. <laughs> so grabbing our Talisman games, uh, honestly, one of my top three favorite uh, major publishing companies, and I, and I and I say major versus indie because it's a very big stipulation uh, mm-hmm. for me. They're one of my top three. I love interacting with them. They're very easy to interact with on Twitter. Uh, so if you guys are looking to get into a game and you want to be able to talk mm-hmm. to the creators, uh, they're they're constantly. Like, when they followed me back, it was one of those, oh my god, moments. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It was literally that. He, he squealed and was, like, bouncing and, like, oh my god, you'll never guess who followed us back. <laughs> We've done that a few times. We've done that. <laughs> Uh, More when, than a Chris, few. when Christopher Perkins first followed me back, I was mm. like, 
babe, D&D just followed us back. Mr. D&D just followed us back. Yeah, yeah. So one of the other reasons why I say yes, the system matters, depending on how you want to do character creation, is a big thing. And I this skipped my brain for a second. One of my favorite things about our Talisorian games is their life path system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When creating a character, you literally create your backstory. So if you're mm-hmm. if you've never done a backstory, if you're wary of backstories, mm-hmm. if you're not sure, the life path system is so useful. Mm-hmm. A good life path system. A good life path. Our does yes. a good life path. Yes, system. yes. There um, are some that are yeah. shaky. Uh, so you've got a you've got a D10 that you can roll for basic personality. Mm. Um, of course, you know that's something you can also pick. Right. Uh, what do you value most? There's a D10 table. Uh, if, if you roll a 10, it's no one. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of got something for everybody, but it's like child, brother, sister, lover, friend, yourself, pet, teacher, mentor, public figure, personal hero. And then, uh, oh, sorry, that's the who do you value most? What do you value most is uh, stuff like money, honor, your word, honesty, knowledge, vengeance, love, mm-hmm. power, having a good it's time, kind of friendship. Alignment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, but that's another thing. If you're not a big fan of alignments, yeah, there are so many systems out oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, I, we essentially ignore alignments. Yeah, we pretty much ignore it. We kind of wing it. Yeah, there's, it, that seems a weird kind of... If you don't know how to play a character, mm-hmm. you can play your alignment. No. But it, but if you know your character, then you, you just... Okay, I have a huge spiel and could go on for hours about a This is going to be another episode. <laughs> Jonathan and I, we sit like right on the fence because we sort of agree with each other about alignment, but then we have things that differ on it. Right. Um, and it, mine stems from, um, I'm not a rules lawyer, but mine stems from the rules, why I feel the way I do about alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jonathan is more about the narrative side of things. So Yeah, definitely. We, I'm, I always side with narrative, but one of the reasons that D&D alignment is so important to me is because of the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're kind of back and forth on it. But <laughs> <laughs> alignment in the newer editions, not in, not in first edition, mm-hmm. but in the newer editions, alignment doesn't have to be. Some groups play it this way, but it doesn't have to be about how to play your character. It has nothing to do with how to play your character. And a lot of GMs will try to force you to play your character based on what alignment is, but that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. Alignment is about the mystical powers in the Force and how they are aligned with sentient creatures. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a magic system in your in your D&D game, there is no reason for alignment. <laughs> Fine, yeah, plain and simple. Because if there's no protection from evil... Then it doesn't matter whether you're evil. evil. Oh, yeah. So the entire point of an alignment system in D and D in the modern editions is, mm. I can cast protection from evil, and I am protected from against you mm. okay. because you have aligned yourselves with the forces of evil in the universe. Yeah, yeah. and that's why so at the end of the day, I am like, yes, D and D alignment matters because it's built into the system. Mm-hmm. And he's always on the other side. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite alignment, though, that exists is in the Palladium system. So the alignments are, for the good alignments, there's principled and scrupulous. For the selfish alignments, there's unprincipled and anarchist. And for evil, there's miscreant, aberrant, and diabolic. Uh, for principled, um, principled is the Boy Scout. Um, and of course, these are, they give you a list of things that like explain like what it is. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to pick what best fits your character not something that's supposed to be like this is the end all for your character right okay. uh, but your alignment will shift depending on what you do and it matters because of certain spells and stuff in here mm-hmm. and um, i think also you know 
systems that allow alignment to shift, it's really important because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're starting out, generally, you're starting out a fresh new adventurer. You have your belief system that was in, you know, that was ingrained in you based on the society you lived in. You are now moving outside of that society to pursue a life of whatever. Mm-hmm. And as you have experiences, as you you know, adventure and campaign and meet new people and, and, you know, experience new things, your alignment's going to change because your Mm -hmm. views on the world are changing. And so I think that's really important for character development, too, because you can actually, you know, steer your character into being the biggest pain in the ass to your DM (laughs) in the world just because... Oh, I'm going to take these specific things from this experience, mm-hmm. and I'm going to shape my character into a real asshole. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was lawful good. Now I'm lawful neutral. <laughs> Why is that a lie? I think you're more on the lawful, like chaotic, chaotic lawful. Chaotic neutral. I think. I think you are more, I will follow the rules because at the moment they are suiting me. (laughs) But as soon as, and I'm going to push that rule to the furthest extent it could possibly go. (laughs) Because, well, it says right here that, you know, Mm. it's within this realm of possibility. (laughs) But it's like the furthest out there that they had possibly ever intended it to be used for. I think I think we all play chaotic neutral pretty much. Yeah. Uh, whenever Just how I play, it ends up. whenever I play D and D characters, I always tend to play chaotic good. Hmm. Uh, yeah, more chaotic is, good. I think that's yeah. what we're I, like I, I always towards being good, but let's be honest, I'm not going to follow the laws of most yeah. villages because uh-huh. like. Oh, you're a town guard and you're just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I can't abide by you. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I got a job the best do. thing about being chaotic good is you can do good whenever you feel like it. And you never need a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though my favorite character that I've ever played um, was uh, Lawful Evil, um, and I was I was basically a good character. But uh, I would look at the law and I'd be like, Oh, this law right here says that if you see somebody hurting somebody else, you can beat them to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just saw you beat, but I'm a town guard. Uh, it didn't say that you're excluded. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I had a character that like, everybody else was lawful, good, and this, that, and the other, and uh, I was actually the son of some demon or something like that. Like, yeah. Well, we were basically playing, um, there's another system that would have been really good for it, uh, but we were doing D&D, and we all were like the children of some deity or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was actually the child of a demon, and I'm like, cool story, bro, let's go have fun. Like, yeah. And so every town that we went to, I like would go sit and spend like a day just reading all the laws, and come out of it being like, oh, there's a law that says you can't do that. I'm a town guard. I don't care. Like, we had one town where... Uh, I'm going to destabilize this entire civilization. You're hurting them emotionally, yeah. so I'm going to... Best part is, is I convinced the paladin because it's lawful uh-huh. to help me with it. And so yeah. he's like, nice. "Well, it's the law, and you are helping this person out. You're doing good. I'll, I guess I'll help." Uh, yeah. So really, got to question the morality really of it's everyone really great that you, when you, make that your you paladin, come upon. It's really great when you make your paladin's head explode because they can't 
Yeah. Figure out a way to get out of helping. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the campaign, they had shifted themselves to lawful neutral. <laughs> um, and uh, in three five, there was a really cool article that came out on uh, paladin uh, variants uh-huh. based on oh, your yeah. alignment. Mm. And they, when they started looking at the lawful neutral stuff, they were like, "Oh no, I like this better because <laughs> lawful neutral actually got protection from evil and protection from good." And so you could sit there and go, "Oh." Protection from good, protection from evil. Y'all can't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so so we, we, we had a lot of fun with that campaign, but uh, at the end of it, there was only three of us left. We started with eight players, um, and then the end of the campaign was just three of us. Uh, we started at level five. Mm. We ended at level 35. Uh, we Whoa. had the epic level thing. Uh, we, we gained levels real quick, though, but there was only three of us left because uh, one of the players, we had to kill them because they were actively trying to kill other party members. Oh. And I was even like, I was even like, no, nah, I'm not cool with that, bro. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm evil, so like, the rest of the, on my Firewatch, huh. I used a spell to make sure that they were still asleep, and then I like strung them up in the uh, forest, and then everybody woke up. Um, I woke up the next person, they didn't hear anything, you know, the next person, next person, next person. And um, so when we all woke, when we got up the next morning, we're like, wait, so-and-so's missing. Weren't they the last Firewatch? Yeah, what happened? And uh, we found them strung up, and so we actually spent um, two months in real time campaigning, trying to figure out who did that. <laughs> uh, and so we were like, man, somebody really evil. Yeah, somebody really evil. I had to have done that. Somebody. <laughs> Some terrible person. Some terrible person. Not me. So, um, uh, but we, that person created a new character and was like, okay, I realized I was being a dick. Thanks, guys. And uh, no, no one batted an eye. Everybody, like, one of the people were like trying to draw the picture of it, like, eh, eh. like don't be a dick at the table is the other uh, thing. Don't be a dick at the table. But uh, hope we solve this mystery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we found his character in a slave camp. Like, it was it, the GM was even getting on it, like being like one more step, like hey, stop being a dick to people. Um, uh, but he ended up leaving uh, because he was moving north or something like mm. that. Um, and then we slowly lost people. And then it was me, the Game Master's girlfriend, and this other guy that I had no clue. I'd never met him before or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would show up to random sessions. Like, it wasn't even consistent. <laughs> God, and man of like, mystery. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the last, like, from 30 to 35, he was there consistently. He was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, epic level. And his character was, like, so good it hurt. Um, it was just... They were chaotic good, but it was just... Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a paladin of the sun or something like that. Mm. The goodest good that ever good in Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was a lot of fun. That campaign was fun, but uh, it was also one of those things where, like, later on we found out about um, a game by Ro- uh, by uh, White Wolf called uh, Scion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was where we were like, oh, we could have actually had something to play this? Like, mm-hmm. there was something Scion's already built for this? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it came out of that weird era before, no, I know. before New World and, bef- like, Old World was no longer American being published. Pantheon? My oh, oh, hang on. We're talking about our do rules matter, so I have to put in, insect, insect, uh, insert the mandatory hypothetical. Yep. Okay. So, I am playing a first level character, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my character's backstory is he was a cutthroat who grew up an urchin. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, <laughs> I, am, I am going up against a town guard, and I successfully sneak into the town guard's house through good rolls. And the town guard is at sl- asleep in his bed. Mm-hmm. But he is a level three town guard, and I am a level one uh, rogue, apparently. Mm-hmm. So tell me a system in which I can slit the guard's throat and reliably kill him with, with my first blow. Technically, D&D. I, 
yeah, you gotta help. Coup de gras. Is yeah, I was gonna say rules. coup de gras. Which, which edition is coup de gras enough to take up twenty-five hit points? Oh. <laughs> Technically, uh, three, three, five did it. I don't know the coup de gras rules for four. Mm. Technically, four E, you can coup de gras, um, and instant kill. Technically. <laughs> Were they instant kills past second edition? Because I thought it was just a critical hit. Uh, and then they have to make a death, death, death save. Mm. But his death save is going to be higher than my dad, so he's mm. going to make his death save. True. Uh, you, roll master. Okay, roll master, yes. But mainly because of talent level. Yeah. Um, or harp, you know, one of those two. Because also, you have to think, is he wearing his armor to bed? No. Not. No. Yeah. no. Fantasy age. It might be. I am 99% sure fantasy age. The coup de gras is just. Is it? I think so. If it's, you get the if the, you get the special die to roll doubles. The point is, do I don't care it? what system you're using. Think, if well, he's asleep in his bed, and mm. I am an experienced cutthroat, I should be able to slit his throat. Especially yeah. since he's a minor NPC. Who cares mm. about? Him? Yeah. <laughs> and I and in in that case, if that happened with us, for example, <laughs> I would just be like, well, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to stab him in his neck. Well, I'd still have you roll to hit, just because. If you, you crit failed, it would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. that's purely that is purely the only reason I would have you roll for that. Otherwise, like, yeah, brother, dude, to sleep, just stab him in his neck. You can yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. You're okay, experienced. Oops, sorry. Uh, have, you ever, right. have you ever heard of cipher system? No. You don't have to make him roll in cipher system. In cipher system, you can say, I think it would be hilarious if you crit failed and slipped on a banana peel. So yeah, <laughs> that he happened to be munching on before he went to bed. <laughs> if you let me do, if you let me have this happen, I'll give you X number of experience points. Mm -hmm. If you don't, that's cool. No foul. Oh, you wow. you slit the guy's throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's called GM intrusions, and it's one of my favorites. I GM love systems. that. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. So, is there anything you guys want to plug? Granted, this is going to be like a couple months before this one comes out. So. <laughs> uh, we could just plug our website, yeah. uh, com, and we have all of our episodes of our podcast on there, and you can generally find our podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So, <laughs> so last but not least, did anybody's mind change on do the rules matter? No. Uh, I think we no. all kind of just argued our point. <laughs> consensus that everybody's yeah. right. Even already, <laughs> we start off on like a yes and no answer anyway. Right. So, <laughs> there you go. Did you have fun? That's the, <laughs> that's the yeah. important thing here. That's what happens. So it's important in the game, too. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And as usual, please excuse baby babble <laughs> during the session. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us for another hour of your time. Mm -hmm. Please rate us five stars to help us reach more people, uh, you know, because that definitely helps us. Mm -hmm. uh, it also puts food on the table for our child. <laughs> Do you want to be responsible for taking away food from the child? <laughs> yeah, put it on them. <laughs> their fault. I wish we had a child to use yeah. <laughs> Alex. Yeah. yeah. Alex. Like, ah. <laughs> Horrifying sight. Horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank y'all so much. Have fun. Yeah.